Good morning, friends. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing that it could do that to my voice. That's so fun. Okay. Um, good morning, everybody. We are going to be uh, in a couple of passages this morning, uh, not completely deviating from the book of Luke, but um, we will be starting uh, in the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 1 has been read for you this morning, and I want to <clears throat> read a couple verses there, um, as our main aim today is to see God's love for His glory and for us as His people, and we are Shooting at that because he wants to be known not just here in Raleigh, but to the ends of the earth. And he has invited us to be a part of that glorious mission. So, for those of you who are guests with us, we have been going through the book of Luke uh, for almost a year. We will continue and it will go all the way through Easter um, of next year. So, still looking forward to that. But over these past couple of weeks, we've taken some breaks in order to highlight one part of our mission statement. That is, we exists to be and make disciples who treasure Christ, love the church, love the city, and the emphasis right now is loving the world. Our great God loves the world and gave his son towards that end. So what I want to do, I want to read here in Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one at a row near you, uh, or you could look on with a neighbor. Matthew chapter 1, and I will read, <coughs> excuse me, verses 20 and 21, and then we will Pray and dive in. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. But as he considered these things, behold, look, take notice. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Father, we ask that in this moment, we would know why we've been created. In this moment, there would be a, a strange sense of comfort to know why we exist. And Father, we pray that more than anything, you would give us eyes to see, to see your glory and hearts that love what we see and then we would not only see and treasure, but we would spread your name to the ends of the earth. Please, Father, use us. Use us in these ways, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Never done this before, might not ever do it again. We'll see, but I need three volunteers. How many do I need? I need three. Okay, I see G, yep, right here. Okay, your daughter raised her hand too. You both come on up. I need two more. Okay, Mercy Girl, you can come on up too. That's my daughter. I need one more. 
Okay, Mara, great. She just walked in. She has no idea why she's raising her hand. Okay, right up front, here you are. Okay, everybody meet each other. It's good to see each other. Yep. Okay, great, great. Okay, now, here's the deal. We are going to be operating a fire truck, okay? I promise you will not be embarrassed. You'll be fine. Okay, we're going to operate a fire truck, okay? Um, Nay, what I need you to do is you're going to be the driver, okay? So you're going to be up front, okay? Now, do we have a picture? This is the type of fire truck you'll be driving. So it requires a party in the front and in the back, okay? So I need a back driver. Anybody want to be a back driver? Okay, back driver. You're going to be the front driver right up here, Nay. Uh, the, the, the vehicle's going to face that way. Yep, sorry. Okay, I need one of you two to be a siren person, okay? Mara would love to be siren person. Good job. Way to, way to defer quickly, baby girl. Okay, you're going to be the siren person. Mercy, you are going to be the navigator, okay? So, you know, if a fire comes, what happens is they're going to be, it's, it's at this address, so you'll have to find it, and you'll have to tell Nay which way to go, okay? Okay, everybody understand. You're driving the back end because it will go crazy without your driving expertise. So I need you to tell me, what is your job? Okay, what is your job? Okay, what is your job? That's right, and what is your job? That's right, okay. What I want to say before you start your jobs is that you're all wrong. Your job is to put out a fire. Okay, you can go sit down. <laughs> we could have done a lot more with that. I could have had a lot of fun, but I decided to keep it pretty tame. Decided to keep it pretty tame. What is your job? If you ask most people that question, they give you a list. I work at a retail store. I'm a manager. I'm in computer information systems. I'm an artist. I'm a musician. I'm a teacher. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm a parent. I do real estate, etc. And you tell me your job. And we can get so lost in ourselves, in our career, in our positions, that we lose sight of what it's all for. The point of driving the fire engine and the point of navigating to the correct place and the point of making sure everyone can hear so that no one is hurt and the point of making sure the back end follows the front end is so that you get to the fire and the fire is put out. What about you? The point of your job, the point of your life, the point of all that we do is that we would be followers of the risen Christ and that we would make followers of the risen Christ. Do we look at all that we do through those lenses? If not, we've, we've become super focused on ourselves or our career, and we've missed the macro message of not just the Bible, but what God says we exist for. We exist to be and to make followers of Jesus. That is our job. So now the question is, how do we use our job? How do we use our life? How do we use our parenting? How do we use our being a student? How do we use all that we do 
as a platform, as a leverage to be a deeper follower of Jesus and to make followers of Jesus until he takes us home. Don't miss why you were created. We get it all backwards, even in the church. Your role is not just to be in KTC. Your role is not just to do sound. Your role is not just to do music or to be a greeter. Your role is to be a part of an engine that is making disciples. This preaching moment, the singing we've done, the videos, it's not so that you will be entertained or that you have something that can get you through a religious exercise. It is that you might be and to make followers of Jesus. And to the degree that we get it is the degree that we feel, we feel more fulfilled. To the degree that we get it, there is a deeper sense of joy and purpose in all that we do. Most importantly, to the degree that we get it, God gets greater glory through our lives day by day. So, if that's our purpose, if that's our job to be and to make disciples, what does that look like? I want to say it in two ways. One is to see glory. The other is to spread glory. What does it mean to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus? It's to see glory. What does it mean to make disciples or to make followers of Jesus? It's to spread glory. That's what we're going after today. We see glory because God is glorious, and we spread glory because his glory satisfies and saves us and therefore others. See glory, spread glory. Let's start off with number one, seeing glory. Christmas is about seeing. The whole story of the advent, of the coming of Jesus, was about seeing. And so we want to see that seeing is a crucial part of the story. Look at what we just read. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But as he considered these things, the next word, can anybody say it with me? Behold. It's a word that's used throughout the Old Testament. It's, it literally means see, look. Sometimes it was used as a means of pay attention. Other times it was used as a marker to say something really spectacular and important is coming. Nonetheless, it's a declaration on a sleepy Sunday morning to say, wake up, look. Look at what? Well, he says, verse 21, look at what? A woman who is conceived by the Holy Spirit will bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, which means Savior, because he's going to save his people from their sins. I want you to behold, to look that all the promises that I gave about one who's going to come and give their life as a ransom for sinners, who's going to be raised on the third day and who is going to wash clean sinners and give them a purpose for his glory, I want you to look, it's happening. I want you to look, something spectacular is on the horizon. Something spectacular is here and is coming. I want you to see. And so look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and look at what he says. It begins with the next word. What's the word? Verse 23, the first word. 
Behold. Behold. People of Israel, long ago, five or six hundred years before, I want you to behold that through a virgin will come a child and his name will be called what? Jesus, Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means, anybody know? God with us. That's glory right there. You can't miss the phrase. The creator of the universe says, I choose to be with you even though you are unworthy and don't deserve it. I love you. I care for you. You're valuable to me. I'm going to be with you. And the only way that can happen is if I give my only son and crush him, sentencing him to the death that you and I deserve. Do you see a crucial part of Christmas is seeing? Behold, look, something spectacular is coming. Why is seeing important? It's hard to imagine, but what if I shut out all the lights in this room? I pulled the drapes closed, and it was pitch black. You couldn't even see your hand. And then I said, okay, run for the exit. You would say, you're stupid. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because you know that if you sprinted, you would hit a chair. You would run into somebody. You'd probably run headfirst into a wall. You might trip and fall on your face because seeing is important, and you know that. Seeing is an essential part of following Jesus. Now the question is, seeing what? Seeing glory. Do you see that in verse 21? I want you to see that my son is coming to save sins. Verse 23, I want you to see that the Holy Spirit will conceive a child through a virgin. And that child will be God with us. I want you to see. When John describes... This Christmas season, John chapter 1, verse 14, he says this, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When John captures in a snapshot Christmas, he says, Look, God Himself became flesh and dwelt among us so that he could be tempted in every way as you and I have been and yet without sin so that he could die the death that we deserved and yet we not be punished for that sin so that he would rise from the dead and show that he's more powerful than sin, Satan, and death so that we would have hope over sin, Satan, and death. I want you to see that glory. I want you to see it. So he says what we're looking at at Christmas could be summarized in one word, glory, greatness, majesty. It is God himself became flesh and dwelt among us. It is I'm going to be with you. I'm going to save you from your sins. Our aim as followers of Jesus, our job is to see glory. It's that simple. Day after day, the greatest fight and the greatest privilege is to see glory. Beholding Jesus, God with us, is the theme of the scripture. And I just want to run through a few for you. If you just typed in glory, 
and you hit enter in your Bible search engine, there are a truckload of verses that are going to pop up. And as you go through, what you will see is God is passionate for his glory and he wants his people to see his glory. Remember, what is glory? Glory is greatness. It is majesty. It is why he is more superior to any other person or being. He is greater of greater worth and therefore will satisfy us deeper. What I'm fighting for here is something that we are convinced that we need to make it our aim to see, to see his greatness. I know it might seem a little heady. It's going to fall down into the heart here in a second, okay? But let's be convinced of what we're supposed to be seeing. Exodus chapter 14, verse 18. And the Egyptians who had enslaved the Israelites, it says, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. God is about getting glory over the enemies of his people. Exodus chapter 16. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at, the, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. You hear that? Both of our words. See glory. I'm going to deliver you so that you see glory. I'm going to save you from your sins so that you see glory. Exodus chapter 16, verse 10, and as, the, and as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. God wanted to be seen as glorious by his people. He wants you to see his glory. Exodus chapter 24, verses 17 through 18, now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of all of the people of Israel. God descended upon the mountain in a fire so that it could be seen so that all the people in their sight could see his what? Glory, his greatness. He is different than everything else around you, and he wanted to convince them of that. Exodus chapter 33, verses 15 through 19. It's not only that he is more glorious in that he can do greater miracles and that he can save, but he's more glorious in and of his nature, and his glory is that he would be with us. Look at Exodus 33. And he said to him, Moses says this, if your presence won't go with me, don't deliver us. Don't bring us up out of here. My greatest need, he's saying, is for you to be with me, God. There's no greater need. It's not to be married. It's not to get an A on the exam. It's not to get the raise. It's not to get the job. It's not to feel comforted by somebody. Your greatest need is to know that God is with you and that he loves you. Verse 16 of that passage, it says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not, and hear this, this is where it begins to smell a little bit of God is not content for his glory to rest in Raleigh, North Carolina. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct and set apart, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, 
This very thing that you have spoken I will do for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. What's his glory? It's his goodness. And will proclaim before you my name. What's his glory? It's his character, his essence, his name. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. What's his glory? It's the fact that he's gracious to sinners. And I will be compassionate upon whom I will be compassionate. What's his glory? It's that he is free to dispense that whenever and however he chooses. He wants us to see. To see his glory. In these moments, and I'm only in one book of the Bible. In these moments... He wants us to be disoriented in the world. He wants us to feel a little off balance right now. Because what he is after is that we reorient what our job is. What our delight is. Why we exist. And it is to see His glory, His greatness, the fact that He is with us all the time, the fact that His love never ends, the fact that He hasn't given up even when you're suffering like crazy, and the fact that He is going to use messy old you and me to make a name for Himself. That's what He has been committed to from the beginning, and that's what He'll be committed to forever. And that's why He says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 21, but truly as I live, And as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's why he says in Psalm 72, 19, Blessed be the glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. And I love this one. Habakkuk 2, 14. Maybe we could read it together. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea have you ever been to the ocean and you look out and that's all you can see I went deep sea fishing one time somebody took me and you had these massive fishing rods they were beasts and they had electric reels like you push button the reel I mean this is the epitome of laziness right so you're going out fishing and we literally We're on this boat for two hours before we stopped. So we went out, and we I was probably 12 at the time. We went out, and we were in the middle of the ocean. And first of all, I got so crazy seasick, it wasn't even funny. (laughs) It was like this right here, and I was like, but I'm going fishing. This is great. Okay, needless to say, I hadn't been back. But um, we go out two hours, and you're sitting out there, Every direction, you saw nothing but water. Nothing but water. And we caught fish. The day was over. Half of the crew, myself, and I were sick. We're turning around. And still, all I saw for the next hour was just water. And you begin to think that God is so committed to his name that our globe 
the peoples of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and family. They will love his glory, and he is so committed to it that it will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So that in every direction, at the end of all things, his glory will be there. And he says that that is also why I sent my son, Jesus Christ. It is so that the nations might glorify God for his mercy. Romans chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. For I tell you that Christ, Jesus, became a servant to the Jews, that is, to the circumcised, to show God's truthfulness, number one, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and number three, in order that the Gentiles, the nations, the world might glorify God for his mercy. We are attracted to glory. Even if you don't like certain famous people and you heard that they're coming to town and that they were coming into your neighborhood, there would be kind of an inquisitive kind of spirit like, huh, I kind of want to see what's going on. Why is this? Why is it that when we want to take a vacation, we want to go to oceans, we want to go to canyons, we want to go to mountains? It's because we're attracted to glorious things. It's hardwired into the heart that we were created to see glory. And that is why the description of the devil's work is described as a blinding work. The aim of the devil is to blind us from seeing. The purpose of our life is to see glory. But the aim of the devil is to blind us from seeing. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. In their case, the God of this world, it's a way to describe the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. You get that? It's kind of a twist. He didn't blind their eyes. He blinded their minds. It's the blinding of the heart. You don't think straight. You don't feel rightly. Your desires begin to go sideways. It's what he does. He blinds the spiritual eyes. You get bored easily with biblical talk. Easily distracted to the TV and to other things. He's a blinder because he wants to keep them from seeing the light of the good news, the gospel. That is, of the glory and greatness of Jesus, who is the image of God. That's Christmas. God has made himself known by sending his son. That's glorious. And the devil wants to blind you from thinking that is glorious. You get that? Our job is to see glory. The devil wants to blind you from seeing glory. Go on to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. When Peter is talking about us growing and looking more and more like Jesus, he says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, that is, fruits of the Spirit, growing in godliness, If they are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is 
blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I don't know if you think about your sin this way, but the devil's aim is to help you forget the beauty of Christ dying for your sins. To say, I know that message, it's routine, let's move on. To make a relationship with Jesus more academic than it is emotional and a relationship with a friend and a father. He wants to blind you to its importance so that all of a sudden we're okay with working crazy number of hours. We're okay with making sports more important than Christ. We're okay with pausing for everything else but making the excuse we don't have time to pause for Jesus. We are okay because the devil has blinded our eyes to what is beautiful. And I fight it every single day. It is the hardest thing in my life to wake up and to be still before Jesus. You might think because I'm up here, that's something that comes easy. That too is a lie from the devil. It is hard. It is hard every single day. To say no to the to-do list and no to the pings on the phone and no to all the responsibilities in the family. To say no to the fact I just want to sleep in and I don't want to get up. This is the only time I'm going to have. And to be still before the living God. It's hard. The devil wants to blind you so that you don't see. So that you don't see. But friends, seeing glory is found at the feet of Jesus. That's where seeing glory happens. It happens when you pour over his word. It happens when you are able to behold him. The greatest fight of our daily lives is to be still with him. And friends, you can take this to the bank. What we don't give time to we can't expect to flourish in. Time doesn't guarantee immediate flourishing, but no time guarantees a lack of flourishing. And honestly, that applies in every area of life. It applies to your relationship with Jesus. It applies to friendship. It applies to the church. Without Time, you can't expect flourishing. It's just not how it works. There isn't this just spontaneous eruption of I love being with you when you're not with them. We cannot blame the person for our friendship when we haven't been spending time praying and pursuing and serving and wanting them above ourselves. We cannot blame the church before we have spent time praying and pursuing and speaking with others and serving. We cannot blame our spouse before we spend time praying and pursuing and wanting God's glory more than our own and serving. And we cannot blame God for being distant, period. He loves you. He cares for you. And it requires the greatest fight of your life, time time the best relationships are those that we're able to invest in time oh dear friends what he is inviting us into second corinthians chapter three is this 
And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. How do we change beholding the glory of the Lord? And that happens right here in His Word. It happens right here with His people. You help me see, whether you know it or not, the glory of Jesus. We need each other. And so, we can't lose sight of this, friends. I want you to hear this so loudly. The aim of our church is not multi-ethnicity. The aim of our church is not care for the poor. The aim of our church is not healthy marriages. The aim of our church is not just that you would be successful in your job or that you would have purpose. The aim of our church is to see and behold and spread the glory of Jesus. Why then do we pursue those other things? Because when they are not reflected, they eclipse the glory of God. People don't see God as glorious when the church is the most segregated hour in the week. Romans chapter 15 says God gets glory when we dwell in harmony with one another. That's why we pursue it. We pursue it because God gets glory. We don't pursue it because it's a good church growth thing or it's really neat to see. We don't do it just because we're hurting and we want people not to hurt. We do it because when people are comforted, when people relate in harmony, God gets glory. Healthy marriages, God has already told us in Ephesians 5. They image forth Christ's love for the church. We want healthy marriages because it shows off God's glory. And yes, when marriages are healthy, you're happier. It's because you're more aligned with the purposes and plans of God. And when you are mindful about caring for the poor, you are showing to the lost and dying world that you're not better than you are equal to at the foot of the cross. When you are caring for the poor, you are able to say, Jesus is more important than my money, and here, I'm showing it. When you care for the poor, you are able to go among the least of these so that they might taste and see the glory of Jesus. It is not just so that they would be warm and fed. It is so that in being warmed and fed, and having access that they did not have, they would see the glory of Christ. It can never stop at kindness. It must go to glory. We are created to see glory. And we want Jesus to get glory. And if that is our job, to be followers of Jesus, to see his glory, then it is also our job, our responsibility, our greatest joy to give it away. Because not only do we see glory because he's glorious, but we spread glory because he satisfies the human heart. Because he comforts 
He cares. I want to show this in Luke chapter 2. I told you, I didn't feel right. You know, I just didn't feel good about going in a sermon without talking about Luke since, you know, we've just been in it for like 300 years. So we're going to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 9. You know the story well. I'll start in verse 8. In the same region, shepherds are out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, Look, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Joy. All the people. All my people will have joy. That's why Jesus comes. And I want you to see that. And so, the angels show up on the scene, verse 13. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, there's our word again, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Here are the last two verses. I'll read them again. And when they saw it, they made known. When they saw it, they made known. And what was the result of making known? Verse 18. All who heard it wondered. The nations are not wondering At Jesus' glory. Our neighbors are not wondering at Jesus' glory. Our co-workers are not wondering at Jesus' glory. They're not being satisfied by his presence. They're not being forgiven of sins. And we are. We're seeing his glory in his word. We're seeing his glory in how he has changed our lives. We're seeing his glory. And now we should spread glory. We should spread it to the ends of the earth. So that our families, our neighbors, and the nations might wonder. So I ask you again, what is your job? Which part of the fire engine are you? Just remember, fire engine is to put out fires. What's your job? It's to be and to make followers of Jesus. To see and spread glory. That means everything is meant to be viewed through the lenses of disciple making. Work is not just about making money. It's about making disciples. What does that mean? Yes, it provides for your family. That's a gift. It helps you see God as provider. You're making disciples in your home. It shows hard work and the fight against laziness. That is an example both to coworkers and to your family and to those that are around you. It's making disciples, showing off the glory of God. Your industry, in some way, is showing off God's creative glory and his means of accomplishing so many things in the world. 
You're showing off his glory. But your co-workers need to know Jesus. And wherever your tentacles run with your occupation, it is for making disciples. What about school? School is not just so that you can get a good grade and so that you can get a good job and that you can make money. It is so that you can dream about how you can spread his fame, how mercy and justice can be spread through your skills and your gifting and your education, parenting. It's helping, you, helping kids see how to relate to Jesus in the everyday. Parenting is helping kids see how to relate to Jesus in the everyday. My kids like Tennessee sports. Most of you would say, why? And sometimes I say, why? It's a lot easier because I do like the Panthers. Most of them are Panthers fans, so that's a good thing. But I grew up in Tennessee, so we kind of grew up liking Tennessee sports. Part of the reason they like Tennessee sports is because what? I watch Tennessee football on the weekends. We visit family in Tennessee. I talk about Tennessee. I've got Tennessee shirts. What am I doing? I'm making followers of Tennessee. It's just, it's just how it rolls. You are. You've got your own teams. You've got your own musicians. You've got your own artists. You've got your own loves and hobbies. And because you love it, there is either with good relationships, many times they want it. Sometimes we have some divided homes. And some in the home like one thing and some in the home like the other. And so you just watch the kids kind of gravitate and then it becomes a good war inside the house, you know. But what are we going after? It's the same principles. It's what I love is what spreads. What I love is what spreads. And we are training them to love what is good and beautiful and right and what is glorious. And I am training them at all times. Sometimes I failed in that training. Some of you would be like, well, I have failed at this. I failed at my job because I'm definitely not making disciples. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. I failed at parenting. I failed at being a student. I've just failed. I haven't processed anything like this at all. And I want to encourage you right now in this moment. That's part of being a follower of Jesus. We were talking about it as pastors the other day in the meeting. Being a follower of Jesus is embracing imperfection. Embracing your limits. Some of the greatest moments in my home are not when I was right, but when I was wrong and I admitted it. And I repented. The times when I worried like crazy and it made me anxious and I started being snappy in the house. I know you guys never do that, but that happens to me sometimes. And you're snappy in the house and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes over the heart and I'm like, why did I do that? And then you don't want to say that you were wrong because that's really hard. But then you go and you look at them. Dad's been a snappy mess. I should not have been angry at you. I need your forgiveness. I've handled worry without prayer. 
But sometimes I've stopped in the middle of our worrying family and I've said, we got to pray about this. And you know what the takeaway will be? Everybody's messy. And Jesus still wants me. That's us. We are spreading Jesus all the time. And it's okay to not have it all together. We're just not content to stay that way. We're going to go after Jesus day after day. That's why marriage is hard. Because you thought you had it all together. And then somebody is a mirror to you and you don't. It's very difficult. Dear friends, we exist to be and to make followers of Jesus. And so I end with this emphasis. And I believe it is one of the, other than Christ crucified for sinners, it is one of the top emphases of the scriptures. And that is God's glory will be known to the ends of the earth. What does it look like for us to obey his command of to make disciples among all the peoples. It means that in our imperfections and in our homes, we have to have a mind towards those who have never heard. We have to have a mind towards crossing cultures with the spreading of his glory. We have to have a mind towards those who are not like us. Why? Because God's glory needs to be known to the ends of the earth. He is passionate about the nations worshiping him. So you have seen over these past two weeks multiple ways that your life could engage with the nations from praying in your home over that sheet for our international workers, from connecting and maybe doing a Bible study in a community group with Thomas's um, information on how to know and engage with Muslims. Maybe God burdens your heart for that. Some of you it could be with SIT and making relationships there. But what I pray happens. What I pray happens is that we begin to be mindful. Mindful of God's glory. Because why is he glorious to you? He's glorious to you because he's with you when sometimes nobody else is. He's glorious to you because he loves you even when you're a mess and a failure and a sinner. He's glorious to you because he is good in all that he does. He's glorious to you because there's an answer for shame and guilt. And we need to be broken that there are people all over the city and people to the ends of the earth that do not know that glory. And Jesus says he will return when there is a representative from every nation, tribe, and tongue going to bow at the feet of Jesus. And he has employed messy, broken, imperfect followers of Jesus to carry his gospel to the ends of the earth. What if? What if our parents knew they were making disciples to reach the world with the gospel? How would it change how we parent? KTC is more than babysitting. It is helping kids see Jesus and want to spread Jesus. We do that through studying the Bible, through praying and giving to our international workers, through our summer camp. It is about seeing and spreading. What if our high school students 
thought that it was an option for them for one month of their summer to go and spend time with some of our international workers or to go on a mission trip that we have with TCC. What if? What if our high school students thought about, I had one high school student come and approach me this week about doing an internship here so that he could learn and understand how to love this city better. Amazing! What if? What if every college student was to give one summer out of their college career to serve in a mission project or to go alongside one of our international workers? What if? What if every community group had not only a neighborhood focus, love my neighbors or love my coworkers or love the poor in this city, but also an international missionary that they might encourage? What if? What if groups of people thought about how they could use their gifts, the music team, our creative team, thought about how they could use their gifts together as a group to carry God's fame and his glory to the ends of the earth and to bless our international workers and the nations. I'm not saying that everything has to happen this week. But I am saying as you look at your life, let's say over a calendar year, we must be a people who see his glory and want to spread his glory and realize our life is more than just about what our little role is on the truck. It is how does our little role work towards putting out the fire? How does our little role, and it's okay for it to be little, work towards being and making followers of Jesus so that his glory is loved and cherished to the ends of the earth as the waters cover the sea? Let's pray. Father, I pray. I pray that we see that our role is to be and to make followers of Jesus. Our role is to see glory and to carve out time and to make it intentional and to fight like mad that we would be able to be still and to know you. And Father, I pray that we would see that our role is to give it away, to spread his glory. And as we look down the corridor of time, as long as you tarry in coming back as we focus in 2018 on being and making disciples, followers of Jesus, we pray that it would become clearer and clearer. It would be reiterated over and over that we are to be those who see your glory and that you will work through us to make followers as we spread your glory. So now, God, we ask, we ask it would start with the beginning. Help us to turn from our sin. Help us to find the refreshment that comes from repentance. Help us to acknowledge that we are rebelling against you in some way, shape, or form. And God, help us in this moment to believe the promise that you love us that you will spread your fame. Victory has been won, and that victory is ours in Christ Jesus. Help us to leave here not hopeless, but hopeful. Help us to be encouraged in this moment that you are not finished with us. 
And although we might be so overwhelmed if we look backwards at our failures, I pray that we are overwhelmed by your grace and look forward to, and believe that you will use us. You will use us to spread your glory. Please, Father, I pray.